You're listening to a podcast brought to you by international law firm Trowers and Hamlins, combining market sector thought leadership, advice, and ideas, helping businesses add value and prepare for the future. Hello and welcome to another episode in the Trowers and Hamlins podcast series of Positive Influences. We're absolutely delighted today to welcome Fiona Fletcher Smith, who is the Chief Executive of the London Quadrant Housing Trust. Welcome, Fiona. Thank you. Great to be here, Sarah. Fiona, obviously you're the new chief exec of, of LNQ, if I may call it that. And before that, um, and before your time with LNQ, you were the, an executive director with the GLA. Those organisations obviously very different, but both of them are very, very influential. And I just wondered from those different roles you've had, how you've seen those organisations try and bring about positive change? No, it, it's a really interesting question because with the Greater London Authority, all it really has is influence. The, the main budgets that City Hall holds are actually to do with the police and transport. So if you're trying to do anything else, as I was, uh, really using your influence for, for good is all you can do. So if you take, for example, economic development in, in London and um, trying to support the economy uh, after the financial crash of 2008-9, when uh, Boris Johnson first became London mayor, that was, that was really tough because you don't have money you can throw at the problem. So all you could do was work really hard with businesses and with local authorities to, to try and keep the economy stimulated in some way, whether that was the Outer London Fund or um, some of the smaller scale grant programs we would do. But we were, it, it was great fun because it was about trying to paint a picture of how London could be, how vibrant our town centres could be, um, and getting other people to sort of buy into that idea and use where they had the money, uh, use their money to, to do things like that. And then also at City Hall, it's you're leading a global city and it is about the image of London that you portray. And for us at the time in the run up to London 2012 and the Olympics, it was really about a city that was totally comfortable in its own skin, that really embraced diversity, that, that you know, it was the reason lots of people wanted to come and live and work in London. It's, it's such an exciting and interesting place, whether that's the food offer, the entertainment, you know, remember that in the, back in the old days when we were allowed out. Um, it was just a fantastic place to be. So it was also about projecting that image globally of, of London as a wonderful place. And then with London Quadrant, obviously much more focused around the housing, social housing. Um, so you could say a very direct way of, of positive influencing, but you know, as an organisation, it's much wider than that, isn't it, Alan Q? I mean, it's not just, it's not, it hasn't got a narrow focus, it's much wider housing focus. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the focus on, on how housing and our, our charitable and social purpose is about providing housing for people who, who need that. But it takes you into lots of other things. So firstly, our commercial arm. So in order to fulfill our char charitable objectives and help people who need housing, we generate profit from other bits of the business that we use then to cross subsidize. So, for example, building homes for sale is really important to us because that subsidizes the, the work that we're really there to do. But the, the other side of all of this is the people who choose to make their home in a, a London and Quadrant home, are there's more to their lives. Um, it, often we are providing housing for people who have a lot of issues in their lives, and it could be about support, 
could be about support to sustain their tenancies, could be about training and job opportunities. It could be about working with local communities in dealing with issues like gang violence, about um, youth activities, summer camps, that sort of thing. And that's really vitally important to us. And the LNQ Foundation is, is incredible at the work they do right across the areas that, that, that we work in. And also where we see LNQ, because we're very big and we've got a really strong balance sheet, we also want to use our influence to show the, the whole housing sector that you can do it. You can provide homes for people who need them. You can help deal with the 8.4 million Britons who are inadequately housed. You can do this. And you can also do things like job sports, training, um, community activities. You can do all of that. And we've been working, for example, with the Build London Partnership, an amazing group of small associations, sometimes specialists focused on a particular racial minority group or um, special interest group. And we've been helping them to develop, to, to build new homes, helping them through the development process, supporting them, giving them access to our expertise, whether that's financial expertise or development expertise, because we think it's really, really important that, that we help the whole sector to grow, to consolidate, and ultimately to help those people who need housing. So it is, it's, it's incredible position to be in, to be so influential in the housing sector. Um, and we're all at LNQ, we're all very conscious of that position and we try to use it for good. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I mean, a London project have always been right at the forefront. And I think, uh, and I think Sky as an organisation, a real influencer um, and prepared to sort of almost, you might say, put the neck out to actually try and try and get things done and try and change things. So I think that it's really interesting. Coming back to you, yeah. though, though, as an individual, where do you look? Where's, where's your passion, I suppose, and being a positive influencer in, as, a, as an individual yourself? Yeah, it's it's really interesting for me because in property, what I find is that we're spending a lot of time talking about diversity, about inclusion, and lots and lots of words about it. But when I was having to put this growing up in my career, the, the thing that really bothered me was I didn't see people like me. Um, I could see women. I could see um, people from ethnic minorities. <laughs> you know, I went to a very ordinary school in rural Ireland and uh, people who sound like me, didn't seem to be in the property industry. Uh, I didn't go to a public school. I didn't go to Oxford. I didn't go to Cambridge. Um, and, and all of these things are sort of, I was really conscious in, in real estate that, that sometimes that, that there is a, a view of how, what your background should be to work in real estate. So I was very interested in the idea of you need to see it to be it. And I'm sort of taking that one step forward in that you need to hear it as well, because it, it's also about the cognitive diversity that comes from people who walked different paths in their lives and how that can aid decision making. I'll give you an example. If, if, if you take the architecture, architecture community, so 98% of architects come from the top two socioeconomic groups, which is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And you know, lots of women, lots of fame people involved in architecture. But they come from families who are capable of sustaining them financially through the long training that postgraduate is needed to be an architect. And 
what was really interesting to me is when you you landed people from a sort of semi-privileged background onto say a council estate in north london and and you tried to get them to work with residents about redesigning or a regeneration scheme they they had very little life understanding of what it was like to live in dense urban housing in inner city cities like london for example so within our team in LQ, we've got people who have come from lots of different backgrounds, who have lived on dense urban estates in inner cities, who understand what it's like to worry about food, to worry about, you know, how are you going to pay the bills? And, and that makes them look at problems and issues from a slightly different angle from the traditional public school educated, rugby supporting or playing types in, in real estate. So I'm really interested in that cognitive diversity that comes with um, with these different paths. And I'm, I'm really keen that, that we look at it, the diversity in real estate, particularly in all sorts of ways. No, I mean, I, I, again, I think it's, well, it's something that's personal, close to my heart. And in the legal world, as you know, I mean, yeah. Exactly the same issue. Um, yeah. And I was just talking to a whole group of vacation students and recently virtually. And is, is that I think it's that point you're saying, it's about actually articulating it. So when they were asking me about how did I get into trials, they couldn't believe that I was from Dewsbury, you know, very sort of working class town, first generation university. And I told them a great story that I went to an interview at a law firm, who are they nameless in London? And they asked me what school I went to. And I said, Birkdale. And so is it the Royal Birkdale? But it was Birdale Comprehensive, Dewsbury. <laughs> and it was an eye opener for me. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm different. Yeah. So it is, I think you're right. And I think I've learned over my career to be quite proud of that and actually to, to show it so people, they can do that as well. So oh, that's brilliant. You know, it, it, it is that, that, that difference. I've, I've become far more comfortable in my skin as I've got older with, with that issue. I don't try and hide the fact that I've an Irish accent. The only thing I do is I slow down because Irish people talk way too quickly. So, well, I'm mad at that. I've been told off for talking far too quickly in, in all, all my life, I think I have. What do you think the qualities that are needed? If you want to implement change and you're looking to actually sort of really, really help change happen, what do you think the qualities and attributes someone needs to do that? Oh, wow. Gosh, so many. Tireless energy, because this isn't going to happen quickly. This isn't going to happen overnight. You've got to keep at it. You've got to be tenacious. I think one of the big things for me is about curiosity. It's about asking why. You know, why don't we have these people around the table? Um, why is it so hard? What can we do to make it easier? And um, and that curiosity sort of drives you. And I think as a leader in, in any shape or form, curiosity is, is really important at the minute, uh, whether it's dealing with health and safety issues or or, or dealing with the diversity of the, the executive team I have around me. But yeah, don't don't stop. Um, and we at LNQ, we did something really interesting with Ashridge Management College last week. We did a, a piece on... Um, Take, taking sort of listening a step further as as leaders we like to think of ourselves as approachable and you know anybody can tell me anything um you know i'm very open at least that's what i think yeah. but then you badge a ceo on me and actually it changes people's perception of you and actually it changes your, your perception of yourself 
and it's how do we actively listen to the whole organization and all of those voices so that we hear from our residents, we hear from people buying, we hear from our staff, and how do we actually actively listen and be curious enough about what people are saying to us to change, to do something, to to listen hard enough to change our minds, I suppose. it's It was a fascinating just a, an online seminar for a couple of hours, but really made us all on the executive team at l q stop and think about how we how we're perceived as leaders. that that is a very that i'm I'm also fascinated in. and um I'm, having taken over the senior partner role relatively recently at, at Trowers, I find yeah. myself at home with my daughter who started her training contract. so she's you know the other end of the of, of the career career path. I was chatting away to someone, a junior lawyer who you know I've known for quite a while. And I was asked them to do something. And Emma said to me afterwards, Mum, do you realise how scary that was? And I said, I'm not scary. I'm not, I'm not a scary person. I'm doing something. Cheap. And she said, no, you, but you're the senior partner. That's scary. You need to, you, you. and I thought, yeah. well, you know, oh gosh, you've got to really think about this. You've got to really be conscious of this sort of thing. Yeah, you've got to, because yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've no idea how scary you are, because you know, you and I don't think of ourselves as scary in the slightest. And you know, we really aren't. Anyone listening to this would not think of us as, as being scary. But if you think back to, to when you were at the other end of your career, I remember being shaky and terrified if I had to speak to somebody as important as I am. <laughs> I still laugh at that. Well, looking back on your career, though, I, I, I maybe your, your life, not just your career, but what, what's the best bit of advice you've ever been given? Um, say yes, volunteer, <laughs> put yourself forward for things. I've done all sorts of weird things, but they all add to the, the whole of me. I've um, I volunteered once to implement a housing management IT system. Knew wow. nothing about IT. Um, I, I I still know nothing about IT, but I know an awful lot about human nature and how humans interact with an IT system. In Hackney, I was in charge of um, mortuaries. Oh wow! A totally different street cleansing, um, refuse collection. I used to go out once a uh, once a quarter with the bin men, and they were all men, um, and they would take me out on the the back of the lorry collecting bins. I know what those buttons do on the back of a refuse truck. Um, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And you know, I I did everything from being a shop steward um, in a trade union because I just I loved volunteering. Um, I'm probably a compulsive volunteer and I do need to sort of wind myself back a bit occasionally because I don't have a lot of time. But it, it's just it takes you into all sorts of interesting paths, really does. You take bits from everything that you that you can see and you do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and don't wear grey, navy or black if you're going to a networking event. That was a great piece of advice given to me by a lovely woman called Sonny Crouch. She said, you know, you just blend in with the blokes in suits as a woman. If you want to stand out in the crowd, wear bright yellow. So I have liberal, liberal sprinkle. Oh, I'm sitting here in blue. <laughs> I have a great sprinkling of yellow in my wardrobe. No, so I, I was told by very first Mipham that I went to, I was told to wear a bright yeah. colour. So I I was the sole woman, it appeared, felt like, wearing orange, standing on the hill, looking down <laughs> the sea. Oh, yeah. you know, sort of like, where's my client? <laughs> I learned, at least he, he could see me, even if I couldn't see him. Yeah. It, it worked well. Um, throughout, throughout life and throughout your careers, and certainly mine, there's been so many challenges. And look, I often get asked a question when I'm giving a talk or something with internally about, you know, what do you see the biggest challenges have been in, in, in your career? Uh, actually, one of the more interesting questions I got given was, what is what would you say the key events 
were that have helped you define who you are? And I thought that was a really fascinating question. So can I pose that to you, Fiona? What, what, what are the key events that have helped you define who you are, your outlook? Wow. Well, I think maybe I'll start at age nine. So I'm the eldest of five children. And a piece of management advice my father gave me age nine was that uh, my brothers and sisters would react better to, to my requests if I asked them to do things rather than instructing them. And I, I have, <laughs> that has stuck with me. I'm in my 50s now and my, my father is a, an elderly man. And uh, if I told him that this, this, this is a guiding thing, it's, it's just ask nicely. You get far further in life if you're polite and ask nicely. So I do that. Um, and the other thing that, that is sort of a, a huge moment for me was when I got my first job with Dublin City Corporation and um, the HR woman had two envelopes and she said, which one do you want? And I picked one. It was the housing department, so got me into housing and fascinated by housing ever since. The other envelope was um, vehicle taxation, which, wow. you know, no offence to anybody in the DVLA or whatever, whoever does it these days, but it seemed a bit dull. But it's back to that that earlier answer for me. It's it's I've, I've said yes to things. I've said yes to covering maternity cover for somebody. I've said yes to um, taking on some extra work and and all of these things have, have always led to something more interesting um, and it's it's also for me about knowing when to go knowing when say at City Hall after nine years I was actually incredibly comfortable really enjoyed working at City Hall loved the the global nature of, of, of being there but but I knew that I needed more of a challenge and now I needed something that was really going to push me a bit more so I you know after nine years in my early 50s I took a step off a cliff and yeah it's worked out okay so far touching wood I think that that um, that's one of the best bits of advice I've always given is no know when you should move on or know when you, I mean I've never moved on from trials I've been at trials all my career but I've moved through different roles and different jobs yeah. and set myself new challenges because I, I'm yeah. very well known for being I get bored easily if I'm, I need to have a new challenge each time yeah yeah it's really interesting so in this series we've been asking everybody one question um which was what would be the one thing that you would like to positively influence over the next year or the next five years Right. Well, it, it, it is about that, that cognitive diversity at LNQ. It's, it's about having those different shades of views and opinions around the, the table. Um, and it is about recognising you don't have to have a degree. You can have all sorts of other experiences that are absolutely valuable. And the other thing that I'm really obsessed with at the moment, and anybody who's seen the ITN news coverage of uh, housing associations, including LNQ, really dramatically and drastically failing our customers. I'm really interested in a recruitment process that that weeds out those with the wrong sort of attitude. Like you, you can be trained on our systems and our policies, on the law around housing. You can learn all of that. But if you are the sort of human being who's capable of walking in and out of a person's home repeatedly and not noticing how their housing situation is negatively impacting on them. I want to understand, and, I, and that's the influence for me, is it's about how we get a, a bunch of interesting human beings who care and who are empathetic to our residents, and how do we get them to come and work for LNQ? So yeah. that, 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 I've really got to crack that within 12 months, not five years, I'm afraid. It's got to change, it's got to change. But I think that's great. 
I always see, I mean, I, 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 people always say to me, the way it's easy for you, so you're, pas you're passionate about things, but I am passionate about things. And I actually think if you're, yeah. if, if you're passionate about something, actually you can achieve something and you can actually even, even as a lawyer, you know, I'm passionate about what the built environment affects people's mental health. And so outside of my day job, I can do things and I can help through my day job, hopefully try and change people's opinions on things. So good luck. Yeah. I'm sure you'll achieve yeah. it, no doubt. Um, I have to, I have to. We could, we could carry on for ages on this because it's such interesting topics, but um, we've come to the end of our time. So I just want to say a huge thank you, Fiona, for giving up your time today to talk to us. Really appreciate it. And hopefully throughout this series, you know, we're getting so many different views and so many different different types of people talking about their, their beliefs and issues. So it's it's yeah. a privilege actually to, to host it. So thank you. Brilliant. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers and Hamlins. Find us at trowers.com and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.